0: Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, A Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Christy, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, March 5th. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are on page 151. At the bottom of the page, the last paragraph starts with, Now and Then. Today's readers are... Kim, Paula, and Marsha. And the reference number for Monday, March 4th is 4012. 4012. The OA Preamble Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous, I will now ask Anne S. to read the 12 steps.
1: Hi, good morning. My name is Anne. I'm a compulsive reader from Pennsylvania. The 12 steps: One, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. 6 were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. We try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Uh, Thank you. I pass.
0: Thank you, Anne S. I will now ask Melanie to read the 12 traditions, please. Good
2: morning. My name is Melanie. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Oregon. The 12 traditions. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Number two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants, they do not govern. Number three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Number four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Number five, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, as problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Number eight, overeaters anonymous should remain forever nonprofessional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such, ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, is Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Number 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need to always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media communication. Number 12, anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place
0: principles before personalities. Pass. Thank you, Melanie. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Today we resume our study of the big book. We're on page 151, the very last paragraph, three lines up from the bottom. And I will ask Kim, please, to begin reading.
2: Thanks, Christy. Now and then, a serious drinker being dry at the moment says, I don't miss it at all. Feel better, work better, having a better time. As ex-problem drinkers, we smile at such a tally. We know our friend is like a boy whistling in the dark to keep up his spirits. He fools himself. Inwardly, he would give anything to have a half a dozen drinks and get away with them. He will presently try the old game again, for he isn't happy about his sobriety. He cannot picture life without alcohol. Someday, he will be unable to imagine life either with alcohol or without it. Then he will know loneliness, few such as few do. He will be at the jumping-off place. He will wish for the end. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim. I'm Kim J. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey, and uh, I think we could take an hour on each line of this. This is so incredible. This to me is describing dieting with support versus the program of recovery. You know, being dry, being absolutely, I don't miss it at all. Feel better, work better. But inwardly, he would give anything to take a half a dozen drinks and get away with them. Because that is the difference between, now we have this two fold disease. We have an allergy of the body, which once we ingest it, our body becomes less and less satisfied. Therefore, we need more and more. But even more dastardly, we have this obsession of the mind that's going to tell us over and over again to go back to that food. So what this gentleman is experiencing, work better, feel better, is the freedom from the allergy not being triggered, that pink cloud, that idea of waking up better, our mind is a little bit clearer, our stomach isn't hurting as much, we're able to focus a little bit more and we think, we're done, we're done. But the largest part of our disease is left untreated. So, inherently, he would do anything to take a half a dozen drinks and get away with them, because the obsession of the mind is there, saying, "Come on, come on! I'm restless. I'm irritable. I'm discontent. I need to have the ease and comfort of the food." So, what is the problem? He's not happy about his sobriety, because that's what we want. We want not only to be sober, we want to be happy about being sober. And for those of you that are confused or those of you who want to know the difference, if you want to know what it's like to be recovered, what it's like to have the freedom from the obsession, read the 10-step promises on on the bottom of page 84. And if you want to know how desperate, how frightening it is to be abstinent only, read the chapter, More About Alcoholism, which will tell you about the insanity of being abstinent alone. And this paragraph encapsulates both ideas. And with that, I pass.
0: Thank you, Kim. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph?
2: You'll need to press star one to unmute your phone.
1: This is Patricia.
3: Do
2: you want to share? Sure, Patricia, go ahead. I just want to share just on this um like a boy whistling in the dark to keep up his spirits. I can honestly say that I can relate to this. When I put down the food, it was like all the anxieties, all the fears, all the stuff that I've been pushing down suddenly came forward and I honestly didn't know what to do with this and and it was and I can and when I heard this saying, when I heard somebody say this, I'm like That's exactly how I feel. Because now that the food isn't down, I haven't a clue how to do life. I don't know how to deal with this stuff. And I didn't know how to deal with it. Um,
0: But anyways, I just wanted to share that. Thank you. I passed. Thank you, Patricia. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph?
2: This is Janice.
0: Janice, go ahead.
2: Good morning, Christy. Good morning, Vision For You. This is Janice. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. They will know loneliness as few others do. You know, and why is that? Why is that that we know loneliness? I believe it is, you know, because we are hardwired for connection. We are hardwired for connection, and this is a disease of isolation. And even though we may be acting as if we are functioning all right in the world, we may say, oh yeah, you know, I put the food down and now physically I'm starting to feel better and and I don't miss it at all. You know, for me that was a lie. That was a lie. And just because I put the food down didn't mean that I now knew how to engage in the world and to be happy, joyous, and free. And, you know, yes, it's so true. It is so true that to be abstinent only, I don't know about you, but it's white-knuckling it. It's hanging on for dear life and trying to pretend that that's as good as it gets. Because I used to say that to myself, maybe this is as good as it gets. or Maybe I've just got to keep on trying to keep the food down. But it was the working of the steps that was going to relieve me of that loneliness, as you do. Because if all I had to depend on was the food, all I had to depend on for ease and comfort was the food, well, of course, of course I was going to be miserable. Of course, because I was fearful. I was fearful. Underneath it all, that selfishness, that self-centeredness that I had, Underlying it all was fear. So if you're anything like me, this paragraph describes perfectly what I experienced. And I thank God I don't have to experience it today, right here, right now. And with that, I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Janice. Well, this is Christy, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and you know this particular paragraph you know now we're in a vision for you right we've been we finally get to talk about ourselves again you know we've been talking to the wives and the family afterward and employers and now we get to talk about us again now we get to talk about us again and you know in this particular paragraph um it just, it just reminds me, you know, in 2001, that proverbial rock and hard place that I was between, uh, especially in these last few sentences, he cannot picture life without alcohol, and someday he will be unable to imagine life either with alcohol or without alcohol, and I remember... Uh, You know, going back, you know, it's I'm 41 years old and I'm going back to a diet, a diet club that I had tried when I was 12. You know, it didn't work for me when I was 12 and, you know, at at 41 in 2001, I weighed 300 pounds. I don't know what it was that made me think it was going to work, but I was pretty desperate and, you know, I, I mean, I had long since gotten past the point where I even thought it would work, but I thought I'd try it anyways. And it was absolute torture. You know, I ate all of the food I was supposed to eat for the day, you know, by 10 a.m. By 10 a.m., I'd eaten my quota for the day. And, um, you know, I, I'm the type of person that diets didn't work for me. I, I mean, maybe they work for some people. I'm sure they work for some people. If I was not a compulsive overeater, as described in the big book, as described in the big book, then I would never have gone on another diet again. I would have learned how to eat right and eat healthy and eat to keep a maintenance weight, because that's the key, right there. You know, I knew how to eat healthy, but not maintain any kind of a, you know, any kind of a healthy body weight. I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. Um, And if I hadn't been the type of person described in these pages, then I would have had everything and been fine. I would have had all the knowledge I needed when I was 12. And here I was at the age of 41 trying those same things, and they did not work for me. In fact, it was worse. It was far worse for me um, at the age of 41. So you know, it just reminds me that I needed my disease to get me to this place where I knew I was stuck. I was stuck. I couldn't live with the food. I couldn't live without the food. And that's exactly where I needed to be, at that jumping off place. I was done. I was done. And you know, today, after being at a maintenance weight for 10 years, at, after being absent without exception, one day at a time, one meal at a time, for 11 and a half years, I am so grateful for that because that's exactly where I needed to be. That's exactly where I needed to be. And uh, with that, I will pass. Is there anyone else who would like to share on this particular paragraph?
4: This is Paula, may I share?
0: This is Leah. Yep, Paula, and I did hear Leah, and we'll grab whoever else would like to share uh, in a minute. Go ahead, Paula. <laughs> Katie, thanks, Thank you. Katie.
4: <laughs> Thank you. This would be Paula Recovered. And I'm going to go right to this place where I've been so often. He fools himself. Inwardly, he would give anything to take half a dozen drinks, and here it is, and get away with them. Mm-mm. This disease will not allow that. He will presently try the old game again. Vicious game that it is, with always the same ending, you never win, you will always lose. And yet we see the same thing at page 32 when the the man after 25 years he decides he's not going to drink. Everything's going along. He's doing great. He ain't drinking. Then he retires. 25 years now we're not talking days, weeks, months, now we're into years. And for those of us that have done that, we know the truth of this statement. Years, and then he thinks, well, now it's okay. Then gathering all his forces, what happens, though? He picks up the bottle. He tried to regulate his drinking for a while, making several trips to the hospital. Meantime, then gathering all his forces, all his, he attempted to stop altogether and found he could not. Every means of solving his problem, which money could buy, was at his disposal. Have we not also done that? Still fooling myself. This one will work. Every attempt failed. Though a robust man at retirement, he went to pieces quickly and was dead within four years. This case contains a powerful lesson. Most of us have believed that if we remained sober, ooh, abstinent for a long stretch, we could thereafter drink normally. Yep. No. But he was a man who at 55 years found he was just where he'd left off at 30. We have seen the truth, have you? Demonstrated again and again, I lived it. Once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. Commencing to drink after a period of sobriety, we are in a short time, as bad as ever. That's the game you play, and that's always the results. Thank you for allowing me to share. With that, I do pass.
5: Thank you, Paula. Leah, go ahead. Hey, thanks, Christy. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leia. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Inwardly, he would give anything to take half a dozen drinks and get away with them. He will presently try the old game again, for he isn't happy about his sobriety. You know, I often say that uh, mere abstinence, you know, merely eliminating one's binge food is like trying to hold your breath underwater Uh, You can only last for so long because the greater aspect of the disease resides in the mind. Yes, we have an allergy of the body, and of course we have to eliminate all those foods that trigger that phenomenon of craving. But we have a problem much worse than the allergy of the body, and that is the greater aspect of the disease which resides between our ears. Um, We're not happy about sobriety. You know, the program of recovery is not about how to not compulsively overeat, really. Um, It's about how to live, (laughs) how to live, how to live life. You know, I felt unmanageability long before uh, those violent binges, you know, long before I really – Deliberately started binging. I, and I felt the same degree of unmanageability long after I had my, my last binge. Because we have a rough time living. We have a rough time living. We're uncomfortable in our own skin. You know, whether you look into the doctor's opinion, which says, you know, we seek the ease and comfort that we find, that's what we're looking for. We're not after the taste, we're after the effect. The effect of ease and comfort, that's what we get when we dig our fists into cellophane bags and bakery boxes. You know, uh, in the big book it says, you know, just a couple things I wanted to refer to. It says uh, on the page 51 on the top, leaving aside the drink question, they tell why living was so unsatisfactory. That's our real problem. Leaving aside the drink question, yes, alcoholics have an allergy to alcohol. Yes, they do but leaving aside that question you know what what why is it that we are un, dissatisfied with life why is it that we are in conflict with people with situations with circumstances that's the real issue you know we had to ask ourselves uh you know some of these things we were having trouble with personal relationships. We wouldn't control our emotional. We couldn't control our emotional natures. We were prey to misery and depression. We couldn't make a living. We had a feeling of uselessness. We were full of fear. We were unhappy. We couldn't seem to be of real help to other people. I mean, that has nothing to do uh, with binge foods. That has to do with an inability to live life on life's terms to struggle with God's reality. That's what that has to do with. So, you know, treating compulsive overeating with merely a food plan is like putting a putting a Band-Aid on a fatal wound. The treatment doesn't match the condition. And, and I, you know, it says, it goes on to say here, he cannot picture life without alcohol. Someday he will be unable to imagine life either with alcohol or without it. Then he will know loneliness such as few do. He will be at the jumping place. He will wish for the end. I know that place where you're sick of living and you're scared to die. <laughs> I know that place. I've been in that corner. It's a double standard because I felt like if I don't get uh, to binge, I'm going to die But that competed with, if I continue binging, it's going to kill me. So that is a cornered place. But thank God for that cornered place, because pain is the greatest motivator to effectuate change. I had no tools for living when I crawled in here, no tools for living. The 12 steps are designed for living. They told me how to live. They gave me a narrow path. They're a set of principles, a set of instructions that tell a human being such as me how I should live. And if I could live by these principles and if I could implement these steps in all facets, in all threads of my life, then I would be peaceful and I would be content and I wouldn't feel the necessity to seek the sense of ease and comfort that I found in those substances. And I would be free from the things that used to enslave me and make my life miserable. And that's exactly what happened. And that's the transformation that's possible through this program of recovery. And with that, I pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Leah. Katie,
5: go ahead.
2: Hi, I'm Katie, a compulsive overeater recovered in Virginia. Um, He cannot picture life without alcohol. Someday he will be unable to imagine life either with alcohol or without it. And that, you know, when someone gets to that point, which I was at that point, um, and I would venture to guess that anybody who's been recovered for any length of time had to get to that point. And I can't make someone be there. I can't convince someone that they are miserable. Their life has to... Um, get to that point. I wish I could make someone hit bottom, but I, I don't have that power. And the thing is, is that when, when you're in that position, you think that you know what recovery is going to look like. And it doesn't look anything like I thought it was going to look. You know, I thought that I would have a hard time being around food. You know, just like he talks about um you know, kind of say glibly, I don't miss it at all. Feel better, work better, having a better time. Um, you know, I I do say that. I mean, I, I am happier, and I I do enjoy being around food, um, and enjoy the fact that I am not called to it. But there's a difference. There's a difference between, you know, saying that and really you're just kind of counting the minutes until your next meal. And, you know, you're just looking to make your food as yummy as possible because, you know, you want to enjoy your abstinent food. And I tell you, that is not the way my life is today. I am at a neutral place with food. I am not uh, concerned about you know, I do actually get physically hungry, which is an amazing thing to me, but um, but my life is so much better than what I thought I would have. It is It is exponentially a better life than I ever imagined in disease, but I didn't find that out on day two of abstinence or day 10. You know, it's a process. It's a process of putting down the food and picking up these spiritual tools and moving forward in a completely different direction from where I was going. Um, And so when I hear someone say, I am desperate, I am miserable, I am happy, because then maybe they are desperate enough to say, I will do whatever it takes. And that's where you have to be in order to pick up this program because if there's any inkling that you have your own ideas and that you can do it some way that you did back in 1975, well, you're probably going to be like this man um, who will once again go back out. And, you know, there is a solution. That's what we're talking about, that there is a way out that you never have to go back to that. You know, we're not a diet club where you lose the weight and then you slowly introduce, you know, your food back into your life, you know, in small portions. That does not work for people like us. And I'm so grateful that, you know, I can pick up the phone today and, you know, there's 140-some people um, on this line wanting to hear about recovery, wanting to change their lives. And I'm here to say that it's possible that, It's not, you know, this life where you're just white-knuckling it and, you know, waiting for your next meal because, you know, you're just, you're just, uh, uh, well, white-knuckling, that's the only word I can think of. Um, That is not how those of us who are recovered are living. And with that, I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Katie. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph before we move on?
3: Yes, I'd like to share. Who is this? My name's Steve. Steve, go ahead. Yes, uh, I was on my fourth step, and I was—I realized. Well, I'm a little bit rushing through this thing, and I'm back on the first step. And that's what this was all about—is realizing uh, that, uh, like from the uh, twelve, twelve, it said. Our current methods of managing have not been successful, and we need to find a new approach to life. Having acknowledged this truth, we're free to change and to learn. First, we grasp this knowledge intellectually, and then finally, we come to believe it in our hearts. Uh, As long as we refuse to recognize that we have this debilitating and ultimately fatal disease, we're not motivated to get the daily treatment for it, which brings about our recovery. Now, in my case, I have never been that obese nor diabetes or anything. And what comes to mind, and I wanted to share this, is for years I've heard this poem called The Prisoner of Shallan, where he, this guy's stuck in this prison. It's a famous poem by, I think, Byron. He was stuck in this prison for, for years. And it comes time for him to be freed. Yet I'll just read you the three sentences because it really hits. And thus when they appeared at last, the guys that were going to free him, that is, all my bonds aside were cast. These heavy walls to me had grown, a hermitage and all my own. And half I felt as they were come to tear me from my second home. With spiders I had friendship made. And watched them in their stolen trade. Had seen the mice by moonlit play. And why should I feel less than they? We were all inmates of one place. And I, you know, this dungeon he's talking about. My very chains and I grew friends. So much a long communion tends to make us what we are. Even I regain my freedom with a sigh. And this really hits me in the heart because my... my uh, inability to really get this first step is because I have made friends in this dungeon of perhaps I'm not obese, but but I have problems and I do have this compulsion and I do have problems between my ears, yet I have made friends and adapted and that is my biggest obstacle. But I'm going back to the first step and realizing my disease because I know I can't learn without it. I have to have that recognition and face the truth rather than, oh, it's okay. So this is Steve Florida. Thank you for letting me share and for all of you for bringing me to me. I pass.
0: Thank you. Paula, I am going to ask that you uh, please read on page 152. Why don't you read the next two paragraphs there?
4: Surely this would be Paula Recovered. Compulsive over We have shown how we got out from under. You say, yes, I'm willing. But am I to be consigned to a life where I shall be stupid, boring, and glum, like some righteous people I see? I know I must get along without liquor, but how can I? Have you a sufficient substitute? Yes, there is a substitute, and it is vastly more than that. It is a fellowship in Alcoholics Anonymous. There you will find release from care, boredom, and worry. Your imagination will be fired. Life will mean something at last. The most satisfactory years of your existence lie ahead. Thus we found the fellowship, and so will you. Well, here we have two paragraphs. Paragraphs. Yes I'm willing That's how it begins Is that not the truth Yes I'm willing But then it goes on With questions Am I consigned to be a life Where I shall be stupid Boring and glum Like some righteous people I see Well maybe that's an example for us What are people seeing in us Those are recovered I know I must get along Without liquor But how can I Another question this one have you a sufficient substitute? There is the question for you: A sufficient means as much as is needed that's in not only in the drink question in the life in life life will consist of betrayals in good things in death and birth in funerals in christenings, it consists of it all. It comes together like that. It's got to be sufficient to meet it all. Sufficient enough. And then it gives you a wonderful, wonderful, what we see here. Yes, there is a substitute. Now it talks about the fellowship in Alcoholics Anonymous, in Compulsive Eating. It talks about the fellowship. But what's in the fellowship, honey? It's the people. It's the people. It's what you see. Do you see recovery? What do you see that you want to stay? What does it say? When you see recovery, you'll find release. Look at what it says. Okay, stupid, boring, and glove in the first paragraph. Ah, but the second one, there you will find release. As the man was speaking, release. You will be released from care, boredom, and worry. Wow, now that's living. Your imagination will be fired. That mind of yours that you just wanted to shut it down. No, not anymore. Life will mean something at last, more than you ever imagined. The most satisfactory years of your existence lie ahead. That's it. I don't care where you are. I don't care if you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. Doesn't matter. The most satisfying, satisfactory years of your existence lie ahead. Thus, we found the fellowship. Ooh. And so will you promise, my friend. Thank you for allowing me to share. And with that, I do pass.
0: Thank you, Paula. And just as a reminder, we do ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing. Anyone can share, but we ask that you do that, please. Is there anyone else who would like to share on uh, what was read?
2: Hi, this This is is
0: Kim. Kim, go ahead.
2: Good morning again, everyone. There there you will find release from care, boredom, and worry. Now, that sounds a little familiar. I wonder where we heard that before. We heard it yesterday. Let's look back on page 151. It says, for most normal folks, drinking means conviviality, companionship, and colorful imagination. It means release from care, boredom, and worry. So for normal folks, they can find release from care, boredom, and worry in the food and the conviviality and the companionship around that. But we can't. We are bodily and mentally different from our fellows. In the doctor's opinion, it states, in this statement from the doctor, he confirms that we who have suffered alcoholic torture must believe that the body of the alcoholic is quite as as normal as his mind. So now we've gotten to that point. We can't picture life with alcohol. We can't picture life without alcohol. We're at the jumping off point. What do we do? I need release from care, boredom, and worry. I need release. You know, they, don't, they mention here our drinking career. You know, what is a career? A career is something we spend a lot of time and commitment and, and energy into. And if we're not going to be drinking anymore, if we're not going to be eating anymore, what are we going to do with our time? What are we going to do? We need that release. We need that ease and comfort. Where are we going to find that? So they're saying we can find this in the Fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous. We can find the transformation of our thoughts through the program of recovery through this pages. Because I thought I had two options. I thought I had the option of being fat and miserable or had the option of being thin and miserable. And I just picked being thin and miserable. But here in this book, in this 12-step program, I have the ability to find release from care, boredom, and worry. Because through, through working these steps, I can be reunited with God. And it says here, your imagination will be fired. Life will have meaning at last. I have to tell you, sitting alone in my childhood bedroom with romance novels surrounded by binge foods at the age of 27, I never could have thought of how full, rich, wonderful, and connected my life could be at the age of 46. And it's not because I put the food down. It's because I picked up this book. I picked up the spiritual kit of tools. And today I am abstinent, but I am happy about being abstinent because I've had that transformation, I've had that psychic change sufficient to bring about recovery. And with that I pass.
6: Thank
0: you, Kim. Who else would like to read on these paragraphs or share on these paragraphs? Monica. Monica, go ahead. Hi.
7: Oh. Hi, this is Kathy. Okay, Monica, and then Kathy.
8: Thank you.
7: And Lisa. Good morning, good morning. It's Monica. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. We have shown how we got out from under. You say, yes, I'm willing, but, 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 am I to be consigned to a life where I shall be stupid, boring, and glum like some righteous people I see? And I'm I'm reading this, and I don't... We're just the craziest disease. You know, if you have cancer, you go out and you seek treatment. You know, you want treatment. But as as compulsive overeaters, as addicts, you know, that's the last thing we want. Yes, I'm willing, but, you know, well, but how is your life today in disease? Are you happy? Are you feeling real smart? Are you full of joy? Boring means crabby, joyless, gloomy. You know, um, I don't know about you, but when I was in my disease, I think these things sort of fit me real well. Stupid, boring, and glum. It wasn't a pretty place. It wasn't fun. There was nothing good about it. So, you know, we're so full of prejudice, our old ideas, you know, but being willing to change and look at a different idea. And these people say, yes, there is a substitute. There is something better. And it's the Fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous. And like what we read before in the the paragraph before, it's called Working These Steps, Working These Principles having a change of attitude and thinking, that personality change. And when you do that, wow, you will have release from care, boredom, and worry. Your imagination will be fired. Life will mean something at last. Oh, my goodness. You cannot imagine how wonderful your life will be after you've done this work. It's just amazing. Everything is different because we've changed our thinking and our attitudes. And with that, I pass.
0: Thanks, Monica. Kathy and then Lisa.
8: Thank you. Um, I'm Kathy. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater and grateful to be here today. And um, this sentence, there is a substitute, and it is vastly more than that. It is a fellowship in Alcoholics Anonymous, um, what this reminds me of was is the reality that I was in Overeaters Anonymous and other food 12-step programs for almost 15 years before I really started working the steps as they're laid out in the big book. And though I got much support and some recovery, it wasn't until I started actively working the steps that I really found a peace of mind and a vital connection with my higher power. And uh, I'm just so grateful that uh, I I got to Vision for You and um, found a place where I could be reminded on a daily basis of what it means to be in this fellowship Um and actively working the steps, I did not find a vital connection with a higher power and consistent peace of mind until I got to working the steps diligently and as it's laid out in the big book. And um, I always make sure now when I share... Or qualify at a meeting um, to talk about that. It's not just about putting down the food and making new friends who are also trying to live in recovery. It is about picking up the spiritual tools as well, and, and it's equally important from my point of view. Thanks.
0: Thank you, Kathy. Lisa, go ahead.
9: Oh, thank you. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, Vision, for you. Um, I'm going to go back up to the last line um, of the paragraph before Before I go into this. He will wish for the end. Um, I was there recently in November um, at that place that they're describing. I, I listened to this, and I can't believe that my life is being – that paragraph, my life was spelled out for me and, um where I was, but then I became willing. And in the beginning, <laughs> I was boring and clumsy, stupid, <laughs> boring and glanced. I mean, when you're just putting down the food, and you're just starting, um, it, it's it's like you don't know how to relate to people, and you know, all you you're still thinking about it and about eating, and you want to get away with it. But then something happens as you continue to work this program, and For that, I'm just so grateful that I was willing to continue on, even though I was uncomfortable. And I think about, I had an experience on Saturday when I would go around. I was okay if I was home by myself, but once I had to interact with other people, especially my family, I just felt like I didn't know what to say to them. I couldn't relate. They're all eating and laughing and having a great time, and I'm just sitting there looking, waiting to leave, watching the time, Saturday my um my mother and my aunts and my sisters they all came over and they were all here and they were everybody was laughing and talking and you know what, I was laughing and talking with them because something happened somewhere. I couldn't tell you the day, couldn't tell you the time. But something happened when I got abstinent that shifted my whole mentality around food, around wanting food. I was able to listen to my sister telling these hysterical stories and laugh. I was able to appreciate my aunts. I was able to be present in the company of people I love but have always been terrified to be myself around. It says life will mean something. At last. Life will mean something at last. It does. When they were leaving, I stood in the door, and I watched them all. I hugged everybody, and I watched them all get in the car, and I stood there and waved the way my grandmother used to do when we would leave her house. And I was so happy they came, whereas before it would be like, oh, thank God they're going let me go eat. I was so glad they came. I was so present. And that is only, only because I am diligently – painstakingly working these steps. And I'm on the eighth step right now, and uh, my sponsor told me yesterday, you know, there's somebody on there, and, I, you know, I don't want to do amends to them, and, you know, I'm having, I have to have to forgive them. And she said, Lisa, this is a very dangerous time. You know, you have to do this or you will pick up again. And I know I never want to be back to that jumping-off place again. I never want to be back to the place. I'm diabetic, and I could not stop. I could not stop. Day after day, I woke up trying to figure out how I could be abstinent, but couldn't, couldn't stop. I knew I was killing myself, and there was nothing I could do. And I had a miracle. God saved my life, this program, you all. I love you all. I know it sounds hokey, but every morning I get on this call and I hear recovery, I hear about lives that have been transformed, and I see my own life starting to transform. I'm not there yet, but I am on my way, and I thank you all for your service and allowing me to share. Pass.
0: Thank you, Lisa. Would anyone else like to share on these two paragraphs before we go by? Helena. Leia. Helena and then Leah. Helena, go ahead.
2: Good morning. I just love this whole chapter that is giving me a vision for what my life without food will be like, not stupid, boring and glum. Why did I think that I would be if I put down the food? Because deep down inside, I felt that I was stupid, boring, and glum. And because I had been around many people who had put down the food, and that's all they talked about was how healthy they were, whistling in the dark probably, maybe. For me, it was. Um, All I talked about was the food then and how I didn't eat, and I think that's the fear. And we don't talk about the food. We talk about recovery, and later in a vision for you, it's going to tell us what meetings are like. You know, O.W. was thinking, when he was thinking about going into a bar before he went to see Dr. Bob, it says, of course you couldn't drink, page 154, but why not sit hopefully at a table, a bottle of ginger ale before him? Yeah, that was me. Sit hopefully around the food. You know, how stupid, boring, and glum is that? But it's going to tell us instead, you know, that there is going to be, when we go into a meeting, you know, we hear the expression on the faces of the women, 160, the indefinable something in the eyes of the men, stimulating an electric atmosphere of the place. Here is Haven at last. You know, what a different way of living. And, you know, I've been told also, if I want to know why I'm eating, put down the food, stop eating, and then everything will come to the forward. All those negative fears and
1: thoughts and emotions and inability to have a
2: life, it will all come back and I will know why I'm eating. And I do need this program of recovery in order to get joy. This vision for me. It's a joyful, happy existence of sane
5: and happy usefulness.
0: Thank you, Helena. Leah, go ahead.
5: Thank you so much, uh, Leah, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. I mean, this part of the text is generously sprinkled with messages of hope and possibility and promises of a different life due to recovery. It says, yes, there is a substitute and is vastly more than that as a fellowship in Alcoholics Anonymous. There you will find release from care, boredom, and worry. Um, you know one of the strange things about compulsive overeating is that even though it is a cunning, baffling and powerful illness, even though it is terminal, fatal illness, um, it's possible to come out of it in better shape than when you first realized you had it. And what makes that possible is the spiritual experience that we're talking about, the spiritual awakening, the personality change, sufficient to bring about recovery because we end up living better than we could ever believe possible because we're forced to. We're forced to live um, on a higher plane due to self-preservation. Either we live in harmony with these principles and be obedient to these steps and directions, instructions, throughout every thread of our lives, or we're going to return to the disease. So we're forced to live better. And that's the secret of these 12 steps, that yes, indeed, it's possible to effectuate such dramatic change in personality, in character, and in values. So it says life will mean something at last. Yes, because abstinence and recovery is much, 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 much more than just the simple elimination of binge foods. It's wholeness. It's soundness, it's a restoration of life, it's a reordered life, it's the ability to find meaning and purpose in life, it's a renewed life, it's a new happiness. That's coming from the program of recovery. Not just fellowship either. Fellowship is very, very powerful. And unfortunately, a lot of OA rooms extend fellowship and only extend fellowship. But the program of recovery encompasses the, you know, the fellowship as being supportive, but more than that, teaching the program of recovery, teaching these steps and living these steps and talking about being restored to life by these steps. You know, fellowship is powerful, but it doesn't create the vital change that's necessary for real compulsive overeaters like you and me. AA was conceived and it lives today as a spiritual program. The fellowship was born out of a spiritual awakening, right? Bill W. had a spiritual awakening and passed that experience on to Dr. Bob. The fellowship was born out of his being recovered. So that's exactly what this program of recovery promises. You know, you know, I came here an empty shell of a human being. I was uh, you know a broken shell, a broken person that has been filled up over the years, filled up with love, filled up with grace, filled up with with, uh, the peace of mind that this program offers. And since God resides within each of us equally, we are all presumably have the same spiritual potential, the same potential to live that life of happy, joyous, and free way of living. So that's what the program of recovery offers. That full life. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. We've got time for one more uh, pitch
0: on these two paragraphs, if anyone would like to share. Hi, my name is Marianne. I'm
6: a recovered compulsive overeater. Go ahead. Thank you. Thank you so much for all of your shares. It's really powerful to listen to. just want to add my voice to this wonderful program. And uh, I think if I listened to this three years ago, I would have been like, what the fuck? How could that happen? And my ego would have been standing in the way. Um, today, I really, I really experience the miracles of this program. Um, for example, the, the the paragraph where it says, "Don't think about what you can get out of the situation, but what you can bring to it." That has really changed my life because I have acted on self-will and on. Um, just always wanting something and I I thought it was a perfect excuse to be mad or leave a place if I didn't get anything out of the situation. I never even thought of what I could bring. I think a lot of these principles and traditions in the program, they, they just never really crossed my mind. Um, so I really feel like I'm learning a whole new way of living my life and I definitely feel like it's becoming meaningful and and since I since I joined OA I feel like I'm there has become so much space in my life because so much of of my foundation on which I was living when I was in my disease was based on selfishness and having that removed more and more just leaves a lot of empty spaces for me to improvise for for me to be open to God and say what do you want me to do with my life um what do you want me to do just today ha- show me how I can be at service today and um and that's just so interesting and I'm also finding that I'm starting to play more it's like becoming a child again but but a grown-up child it's like because I feel like I have that I'm also learning to take responsibility for my life and not just to put it in other people's hands and make them my higher power. Um, so I definitely feel like I'm becoming more and more a blank piece of paper where, where God can write the new story um, through my intuition. And so many wonderful things are happening now. Um, I, uh, yeah, And I'm just excited to see uh, what God will do with my life now that I'm actually open to listen um, I just want to leave my, my contact information um, I'm in New York and my number is 917-297-6103 so 917-297-6103 and call me anytime and if I'm not there I will get back to you and my name is Marianne have a good day all thank you
0: Thank you, Marion, uh, yeah. and thank you, to, thank you so much. Thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Marcia, will you please read A Vision for You? Yes. Good morning,
1: A Vision
2: for You. My name is Marcia. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we only know a little.